Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Driving Theology. <coughs> my name is Mike. I'm going to try to adjust my car here for minimum background sound. And uh, we are on our way to work as usual for me, anyway. So I should check my recording level. I think it's fine. Check, check, check. All right, yeah, so uh, it is February something. February what, you ask? Well, I'm not even sure. Uh, I want to say it's going to be February 16th, perhaps. February 17th. I was wrong. February 17th, 2021. And I have not posted... Uh, any podcasts in a while? Sorry about that. Uh, lots of uh, stuff to uh, do here in uh, end of January and beginning of February. So it's the end of the uh, school year for college, and we do finals, and then we have to get grades in and, and syllabuses or syllabi for the next year, and uh, lots of stuff like that. So there's been a lot of busy work I've had to. Do. Plus, I had a, a recording, uh, an online kind of a chorus group that we joined for a song. So we had to get the recordings done, and that was something that I did. And uh, so I'm just making excuses, basically. But anyway, here we are. Finally, the college stuff. I, I got one little thing I think I have to do before the year starts, and that's order my textbooks. But other than that, I think I'm pretty good. Um, I've recently gotten back into mountain biking. I've I've loved the idea of mountain biking probably for the last uh, I don't know 30 years. Uh, I bought my first semi mountain bike. It was a uh, it was actually a hybrid. I want to say it was a Trek. It could have been specialized, but it, it was a jazz bike. They called them jazz bikes, uh, and I got that. Uh, back when I was still in, I guess I was still in college, and I rode it to and from school during summer uh, uh, summer school, I think, while I was in college, and I uh, loved that bike. It was a, I can't even tell you now, probably an 18-speed is my guess, uh, uh, hybrid, hybrid bike. Um, it was a fun bike to ride. Didn't have any suspension at the time, so we're talking about the, you know, uh, early, early 90s uh, when I got it. Uh, but it was about a 250, $300 bike then, which wasn't cheap for a college student. But you know, it was definitely an entry level type bike. But I really liked it, and I actually got to take it, uh, uh, sort of mountain biking one time in Oklahoma uh, right before I came to Japan took a little trip by myself down I think to the Wichita mountains uh, which was which was fun but then once I got to Japan Japan is a much much more of a bicycle type country like they use bicycles a lot for commuting and especially I lived in kind of in, in inside the city uh, toward the downtown area of a medium-sized city here in Japan. 
and so I used uh, my bicycle quite a bit um, my first year. So I got at first I just got these uh, oh they call them mama mama chadi. So it's just basically a mama bicycle. It just has a basket, you know, maybe maybe two or three gears kind of thing just for city riding. Uh, and then I kind of upgraded to a mountain bike, but it didn't have suspension at the time. But a, uh, I think I paid about five or six hundred bucks for it. Had it was all aluminum, and uh, that was a I want to say a 21 speed uh, mountain bike. And that I still have that bike. I've I've used that bike for many years and uh, upgraded almost all the components on it. Um, down through the years and and uh, it's it's been a good bike for me and then I uh, about five years ago I upgraded to a uh, Trek it's an 18 speed again but it's uh, it's only got two two uh, sprockets on the front so uh, So it's a different kind of gearing, uh, but I really like the bike. It's lightweight, aluminum. Uh, it's got uh, disc brakes, and uh, anyway, I could talk all day about mountain bikes. Anyway, I got back into mountain biking recently. It's been a lot of fun. We found a great trail close to our house, and I love, I love the idea of mountain biking and, and you know the, the philosophy of it, which is basically you put in the work on the front end, getting up the hill, which is pretty much nothing but suffering uh, but then the downhills are exhilarating uh, and exciting and risky and uh, kind of make you feel alive kind of thing uh, but the ratio is obviously not even um, uh, because the, the downhill doesn't last anywhere near as long as the uphill even though the distance is going to be roughly the same uh, you know maybe even a little longer downhill because there's more turns and twists uh, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 I think a, a decent metaphor, uh, for life in a way that, that to get something going, you have to put in the, the work and the time and the effort and, and put aside, uh, any, uh, hope of immediate return from your investment for a while, right? Uh, and then you pray that the work you've put in uh, will eventually translate into uh, the kind of life that you want one day, right? Uh, and I think it's a metaphor for starting a business. I think it's a metaphor for education. Uh, I think it's a, a metaphor uh, that certainly works in the physical realm in this life now. I think it's been taken to extremes as well. I think the, uh, the current eschatology uh, that is most prevalent in evangelical circles and, and charismatic circles, uh, which is basically life is hard, sin has ruined the world, uh, you just have to gut through it, right? believe the right stuff and eventually God will destroy this world and 
and place you on a better world, right? Or, or you know, take you off to heaven away from this world, right? Um, that's sort of this same metaphor taken, taken to the extreme, and and what it, what it sort of denies is that there can be immediate returns uh, in the in the Christian life um, that I think. Uh, do exist or can exist dare I say should exist right that 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 doing the hard work of of being good and doing good now uh, can still uh, improve your life in the here and now now of course there's going to be some uh, inertia, right? There's going to be some inertia. It's sort of like when, you know, when I, when I, uh, am on a diet and I'm trying to lose weight and I'm actually being successful, which is very rare in my life. What I notice is that the work I do today does not translate into weight loss tomorrow, right? In fact, if I, if I, if I work out for a week, right? I'm going to start losing the weight, say, two weeks in the future or a month in the future. So I'm going to have to work hard for a month to get the benefits. And, and they kind of come with momentum, right? So as long as your momentum has, has strongly swung one direction in your lifestyle, uh, and, you know, for me that means diet and exercise uh, and... and uh, and probably I would say sleep. I would have to put in there good sleep habits. Uh, if I if I do the work on that end, eventually my body will realize that the the momentum has changed, and my body will catch up with that momentum. But it, but there's a there's a delayed there's delayed gratification for sure. There's a delayed reaction to that lifestyle change. And I think it's the same way if, if you've lived a certain way in life, say if you lived a, a life of uh, greed or dishonesty uh, or selfishness, changing your way of life today, uh, I think maybe there will be some benefit, but it's going to take a while for people to realize that your momentum has changed and then start trusting you, right? That that you've made a change. People people have very long memories, right? And so if you were not straight with somebody, if you were dishonest or or selfish with somebody and you suddenly stop that, well they're not going to necessarily believe that that you have made a change. Right? It may take a while for their reactions to catch up to that uh, that momentum change in your life. Uh, now that's with people who know you. I think I think there are great benefits uh, in just your everyday life, meeting random people and being good to them and kind to them. Uh, I think I think you will see that your your change in uh, modus operandi will will have an effect immediately, right? Um, but. Generally speaking, 
you are going to have to be in something for the long haul. You're going to have to uh, resign yourself uh, to to change uh, on a on a long a long haul type of tra trajectory before you start reaping the benefits of that transformation. Um, that just seems to be how life works uh, on this uh, earth, right? That seems to be how life works. Um, actions have consequences, right? And often those consequences are delayed, and that's another kind of inertia as well. You know, you, you do something bad, well, well, if you do something negative in the world, there's going to be consequences, just as there are consequences for doing good in the world. But they may or may not come quickly, right? There's no way of knowing how that's going to be returned to you. But that's just, that's just life, right? That's, that's almost a natural law. I, I suppose it is a natural law that actions have consequences. I think the way the, 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 the scientific law says is that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Um, and so actions have consequences, right? Um, what that doesn't mean, and this is where we get very confused, and now we're kind of getting into some theology. What that doesn't mean is that God has visited those negative consequences on you because of your sin. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that God is now unpleased with you, right? That now he's angry with you and, and even maybe wants to destroy your body in hell. It doesn't mean that because you have sinned. It's just the way the world works, right? Actions have consequences. Now, because of Jesus, we know once and for all that, that God has decided, he's made the decision because of who he is, what his character is, and because of the fact that he cannot go against his character. And yes, I said it, there's, there are things that God cannot do. He cannot go against his character. Right? He is true, and he is true to himself, always. Right? Uh, because he's true to his character, he decided to show us once and for all, what he thinks of us. And what he thinks of us has been portrayed most clearly in the blood that ran from the cross, from the life that was lost of the innocent person on the cross, that innocent person, person being Jesus. Uh, and so when, when Jesus died for us on the cross, he was showing us once and for all that not that there are no consequences to sin, but that one of the consequences will not be that God will turn his back on you because you have sinned. Because as Paul said, while we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, Christ died for everyone, for all time, right? To show that one of the consequences of our sin will not be that God will turn his back on him, will not affect your salvation. 
that all sin has been forgiven once for all time. Actually, it was I, I my personal feeling is that the cross did not start the era of forgiveness of sins. But the cross did just uh, was a revelation that sin never ma- ma- mattered to God. Sin was never going to be something that was going to keep you from him. Now, a lot of people disagree with this. Right? A lot of people have the idea that God cannot exist where sin is. You know, there have been prophets that have said as much, or at least that's how it's been translated. Um, but I think if you look more closely, you see that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in the person of Jesus, that Jesus contained the fullness of God in him while he was going around rubbing shoulders with all these sinners. And, and mind you, every person on earth that Jesus met in one way or another is tainted with sin. Either they sin themselves or they have been touched by sin. Everybody. So to say that God cannot exist where sin is is to is to deny that the fullness of God existed in Christ. And Colossians tells us quite differently. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So of course, God does and can and is willing to exist where sin is. Now he understands, he understands that that sin uh, is something that is bad for us, but he's not afraid to face it for our benefit. And that's what, that's what Jesus coming to the world was all about, right? He's not so distant that he's not afraid to actually join us in the muck of this life in order to show us just how much we're loved, just how much we are valued by him, every one of us. I mean, goodness grief, the, goodness grief, good grief. I can't even get my sayings right. The more I look into the character of God, the, the deeper I get into just what Jesus was doing on the earth, the clearer and clearer it becomes to me that God will not lose even one of us. God is not willing to lose even one of us. And he will do everything it takes, everything it takes to spend eternity with every single one of us. How great is that? You want commitment? That's commitment. can't imagine greater commitment than that, right? You know, it's like the coach who's who's uh, at tryouts and has all these people on the football team, right, who are trying out, and he's, he's faced with making cuts, right? 
Some are gonna make the team, some are not. But he's not gonna make any cuts because he loves everyone, he values everyone. He believes that everybody has a part to play, right? The good thing is being a Christian is not like being on a football team, right? Be, being being saved, I shouldn't have said Christian. I should just say be human, being human. Being human is not like being on a football team, right? We can all be valued and used, right? There, there's a place for everybody in the human race and in God's family. There's a place for every single one of us. If not, why, why were we created, right? <laughs> there's an old saying that said, God doesn't make junk, right? In other words, you know, I, I'm, I'm a valued person. It's a, you know, it's a self-esteem kind of building, uh, self-esteem building uh, type of slogan God doesn't make junk, but I mean, think about that. It's actually theologically profound. God doesn't make junk. And if we be believe that God's cognition is superior to ours, right, to the point that he has precognition, and he knows that things are going to happen before they happen, right, then before we were ever created, God knew whether we would or would not live a good life. None of us do it perfectly. Almost all of us suck at it at one time or another. But God knew all this before we were ever born. So, I know I've kind of gone far afield and I tend to do that. I guess my point is is that the, the universal salvation theology is becoming to me more and more uh, the front runner, the best theology that there is. That everyone is valued by God, that no one will be tossed aside, that no one will be forsaken. Um, this seems to me to be um, the best explanation for the cross uh, and for the history of the world, for that matter. Let's see, where did I start all this mess from? It's like about mountain biking and working hard, and yeah, so. So the world does seem to be governed by a set of physical laws or principles. Uh, one of which is that hard work may not produce a yield today, but rest assured hard work over time will one day produce a yield, right? And that by the same token, whatever you do, be it good or bad or neutral, will also produce a yield uh, of like kind. If you do evil, you will reap evil, right? If you sow bitterness in the world, you're going to reap bitterness. If you sow joy, you will reap joy. Um, 
but these are physical laws of what it means to live uh, in these bodies uh, on this earth, right? There are certain physical things that seem to be true, that actions have consequences. But what the cross says is that one of those consequences, right, will not be that God turns his back on us because we are sinners. That will not be one of the consequences. Uh, and wow, how great is that? And how much appreciation should we have for a God who would, who would tell us in no uncertain terms that no matter how bad you mess up, no matter how broken you are, no matter how corrupted you are, or how much you have corrupted others. And though there will be pain for your actions, especially your evil actions in the world, I will make it all right in the end because I created you for a reason. I value you. You are my child. I am your father slash mother. <laughs> uh, and and if you know this in this life, I think it will save you a lot of pain and hardship, right? If you if we are some of the lucky few who come to a knowledge uh, of the character of God and just what that means for us and how much He loves us, if we are one of those people. Um, all the better for us and all the better for our context, right? All the better for our context because we can, we can begin to see the kingdom of God uh, happen on earth, right? We, we will be some of the fortunate ones who will be able to see that on earth because uh, of what Christ can do through us, right? Uh, and... We should be grateful for that, right? And our gratitude, I think, over time as we lean into that, as we, as we realize that no matter what I do, Jesus still loves me, right? I think, I think there is going to be a time lag, but eventually, I believe that's going to, uh, as you become more and more grateful, right, for the latitude that, that God has allowed us, as we become more and more grateful, uh, I believe that we will begin to see the transformation of the type that that is promised uh, in the New Testament. That we will be reborn and remade uh, more and more into the likeness of Christ. It's the gratitude. Gratitude for the love we receive that causes transformation. And I've said this before, that uh, the only true transformation that I have seen happen in the world, uh, at least positive transforma transformation, has all come from uh, sacrificial love, right? From realizing that, that someone has sacrificed something uh, in order to, to show us how much they love us. Um, and transformation, I think, is what 
is what the New Testament is all about. It's a it's not a map to transformation as much as it is a a statement that that Jesus loves you. And as the more you understand that, the, the, the more you will be able to become the kind of person that you want to be and know you should be. But, you know, if, if I were to take the first, I don't know, 30 years of my life, I would say that I'm not sure I believe trans- transformation was possible. I think for the first 30 years of my life, I, I just thought I was... I was, you know, defective, defective, uh, and not worthy of the love of Jesus. Oh man, you're seeing some bad traffic here. I really got to get to work, but I don't know what they're doing. Gee whiz, some road construction or something up up ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, I think that's the ball game, folks, uh, and I hate to reiterate things I've said before, yeah, life's hard, uh, we don't always see immediate returns, uh, for our efforts, um, but that doesn't mean that, uh, God lives by the physical laws of this world. He lives by uh, his own um, standard of love. And that standard of love uh, is what is going to one day uh, prevail. Not the physical laws that we live by here on this earth. One of being, for example, that actions have uh, consequences. Um but that God is above consequences, I suppose is the way to say that. That his love is above consequences. Uh, and that whatever he's doing with us here, like whatever his reason for creating, uh, for uh, allowing us to experience uh, the life the way that we experience, or the way that we experience it, you know, being subject to these physical laws, uh, whatever the reason, uh, he is above those, uh, and one day uh, his uh, his methods uh, and and his his reasons, I believe, will be completely revealed, and it will all make sense to us. Um, and yeah, I I uh, hope that's the case. You know, going back to the mountain biking, I I, I went on this trail last week for the first time and I did it once and it was very difficult and uh, uh, fun but incredibly hard and two of the guys there were four of us one guy had to go home so he left the other two uh, wanted to go again and they're in really good shape they're the out of the four they're they're the two in the best shape I was the worst Uh, and they wanted to go go again you know try the trail again and man, I was, I was, I really knew it was beyond my ability to do it. Um, and so I, uh, I, I said, no, I think I'll just wait for you guys to go around. I'll just wait here. 
but they kind of talked me into it and I really wanted to push myself and try it again. So I did and it was really hard and the, and my muscles cramped up and and uh, I, I had a really hard time coming back. Um, but I could not have done it except those guys were super patient with me even though they were they they were way beyond my ability uh they rode at my pace uh decided to include me and and you know even though it was difficult they were there with me right beside me the whole time uh and that's my good friend pat by the way uh cam and pat and uh, uh another friend jeff were all there um but yeah, it, it, it made the journey uh, much more bearable with them with me. Of course, it's just mountain biking. It's just for fun. It's just a leisure activity or whatever you want to say. Um, but certainly the journey was better because we did it together, right? And I've always liked that uh, saying better together, right? Uh, doing things uh, with other people is always better than, than doing things alone. Uh, by and large um, and so you know in a way Jesus Jesus came to do life to do life with us um, he didn't he doesn't just you know sit up in his palace and uh, and on his throne uh, in luxury uh, telling us that we have to try harder and do better uh, or face the consequences what he did was come, came down and uh, faced some of those consequences of evil being in the world with us, right? He lived alongside us um, and showed us that, you know, that, that God is with us. That, that's the idea of Emmanuel. I'm kind of going on a tangent here because I'm stuck in traffic and it's going to make me late to work. I'm going to have to make a phone call here in a second. I'm going to be at least five minutes late. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to cut it off here. Uh, not sure if I got anywhere good today, but it, it was, it was fun to talk about regardless. Um, yeah, I guess we just got back to Jesus and the fact that, that he's, uh, he's going to make it all, uh, all come out in the wash, I guess. He's going to make it all, all right in the end. Um, what's that old, uh. Jesus is all right with me. Is this is a song by a DC Talk. I can't remember what it's called now. Oh, we're stopped again. This is crazy. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and I will uh, talk to you later. Bye bye. <laughs>